Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Welcome to episode 148 for Slamfire Radio. This is March 24th, 2016 edition. So, I'm one of your hosts, Kelly. I'm another one of your hosts, Matthew. And I'm Adriel. And Hi, Trevor's. Adriel. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I interrupted you. Awesome. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, Trevor's not here tonight. He, um, he, he's, he's been doing, he's, he got really excited with how well Trump's been doing, and like all those Americans who are threatening to move to Canada if Trump gets in, Trevor's like, heck with that, I want Trump, and so he moved to the States. He's gone to New Jersey, though, hasn't he? Yeah, got down to New Jersey looking for <laughs> uh, some real estate there, because New Jersey has fantastic gun laws, and that's what Trevor's all about, so. Yep. He, uh, yeah. Hmm. They've got the shore, the Jersey Shore. Jersey Shore, and that's his favorite his show. Favorite show? Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, he just He called me up yesterday telling me all about the latest episode. He's probably excited. Yeah. Oh, he was. Oh, he was, it was like he was on like three cups of caffeine. Yeah. He was just just all over the place. He's gonna have that orange glow from that tan, you know, spray on tan and <laughs> fist, you know, the fist pump. And yeah. Well, laundry see, laundry there was whatever. no spray on place around, so Trevor used a roller. He rolled on his tan. <laughs> so it's a little blotchy here, and don't stare though when you see him. Don't stare. It, he'll he'll be it'll come off eventually. It'll yeah, it'll even out. Yeah. yeah. But. Uh, Anyhow. Okay. So, Matthew. Yes. What have you done in guns this week? I, I did uh, so little in guns this week that there's nothing to talk about. Serious? Yeah. I, I had a busy week doing other things. I have things to do at the range. I have no excuse not to be there. Um, it's not like I got nothing to do out there. I've got some shooting to do. I've got some reviews to do. I've got some videos to make. Uh, um, I don't know if I mentioned on any of the previous shows that... Um, Fred actually sent a rifle my way to, to do a review on. It's a ISSC something, something, something. Is it the Anschutz? No. It's, the other one. No. Is it the twenty two? It's a twenty two. yeah. It's yeah. the Scar-looking gun, I think it's... Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of neat. So that was fun to... I've, I've been shooting it a little bit. Um, not since last time we had a show, but Trevor and I had it out of the range, and we shot it for a little while when Trevor was here. So I'll, I'll be doing a review on that soon as well but i just like i said this week i've just had so many other things going that i just i haven't gotten to the range yet so i've got a nice four-day weekend ahead of me so uh maybe just maybe i'll get out there before next show cool adriel what about you a little bit more than matthew um good otherwise it'd be a boring show (laughs) (laughs) so we'd like to thank everybody for listening (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I shot a gun, and that's it. Uh, no, <laughs> I shot three of them. Uh, I went to a three-gun match, and uh, it was all right. I, I RO'd uh, for one of the stages, and I shot. Um, so my rifle was off. Long story short, my rifle was off, uh, way off. Uh, I was shooting a, a six-inch target at 100 yards, and my bullets were hitting two and a half feet to the left. Oh, two and a half which, feet. Which yeah, that, a that's a ways. A little bit off. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, I can't figure out why it was adjusted out so far, but uh, I did take a group of uh, people from work out to the range like maybe six months ago. Maybe somebody uh, so was fiddling with it. Maybe someone turned one of those turrets right around, mm -hmm. and uh, that's why it was so far out. But suffice to say, I didn't do well on that stage. I guess. Uh, there were a couple of misses, and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, my pistol component to that of that stage was fine. Uh, the shotgun, I was really pleased with how fast the the reloads were going for me. Awesome. Um, and at the end of the match, we do a kind of a shootout where everyone kind of competes head to head, uh, tournament style, uh, until you come up with a winner. And I got to the finals. I got to the last person, and uh, I think I, I could have kept up with them if I just had you know taken my time a little bit more. Um, uh, just on this one final target that I had with my rifle, but uh, um, all in all, you know, I'm, I, I was pretty happy with it. Regardless, yeah, that's really cool, man. I mean, you got second place basically in 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 the head-to-head -head thing. That's that's yeah. impressive. Yeah, and you've, yeah. you've been practicing your shotgun loading. Yeah, quite yeah, a bit, I, haven't you? Oh yeah, I I was really stupid. I've I've got a buddy of mine who comes in for these three gun matches out of town, and then it it, it, it happens every single time. We've got to go to this thing early, right? Like I got to be there for seven thirty eight. And every single time my buddy comes in out of town, we get into a couple of beers, and <laughs> we're all hung over the next morning. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was it was good. The shotgun reloading was really good, and uh, and the match itself went really fast. We had more people than we usually have, and uh, it just turned out that we had more help, so we could uh, we could run through the stages uh, quicker. Um, uh, just before that, I installed a, an extended bolt release for my Stoger, uh, which was really nice. Like. I installed a, a bolt handle. Oh, what else did I put on a safety? I could have done without the bolt handle and the safety. That extended bolt release was that that thing was absolutely magical in, in in getting that thing to run faster. It's just that much bigger of a target to aim for when you're uh, when you're trying to release your bolt. Uh, my DIY kind of match savers that hold that last shot shell uh, just in front of the action. Um, didn't hold on to them tight enough because as soon as I started blasting away, they they went flying. <laughs> <laughs> Oops! So I I ran my shotgun dry one time and I couldn't use the thing that I want that I put onto my shotgun. So I might put some skateboard taper or something just to give it a little bit more grip on it so that they did, don't uh, they don't flip out. Did the RO give you any shotgun shells to help finish off that stage? <laughs> no, I've oh. I've got a, a a whole ton of uh, shot shells on carriers. Right. Uh, I think I can carry I don't know twenty five thirty let's say. Right. Uh, and uh, my shotgun can take seven in the tube, one ghost load, one in the chamber. So nine. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. I I've got lots of shot shells. I'm I'm good on that side. Well, that's good. No, I was just making fun of myself and Trevor. A couple of years ago, I ran out of ammo on a stage, and Trevor was standing there ROing me. He just sort of handed me his ammo. <laughs> <laughs> well, on the rifle stage, the RO handed me a, a, a magazine for my rifle. It didn't help. <laughs> when you're two feet off, you can try yeah. to use the Kentucky windage kind of method and try, yeah. to, try to shoot two. But it's for a six-inch target, if you're that's two hard feet to out, do. It's, oh, it's that's game hard. Over. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Unless the bullets are like impacting a berm directly behind, you can, you know, perfectly see the dust. There's no way you're going to walk that in. Yeah. Yeah. Not on a, on a timer when you're trying to, yeah, shoot fast and all that kind of thing. Yep. Uh, what else did I do? I got a, a new set of uh, earmuffs. So these are like uh, uh, earmuffs that are electronic, so you can kind of hear outside. Mm -hmm. I have a set of Caldwell ones. They're about 50 bucks. They're a little bit cheaper. 
Um, they've got a wire that goes from one ear cup to the other, so they're they're kind of uh, hooked up. Um, the Caldwell ones, when you when you make a loud noise, they clip it out. So they clip out the, all the sound. They'll they right. basically mute the microphone. Uh, these guys don't do that. They compress the whatever the loud sound is. So if there's something above 85 decibels, they don't pass it on. They just they just cut it right out. Uh, so the interesting thing about that is that when you're on a really active uh, range and you're talking to someone, uh, you don't get the uh, 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 right uh, like with some with the other ones. Instead, it just cuts out the shooting in the background, and it, you can still hear the person that you're talking to. So that's really nice. What are those yeah, called? Cool. Uh, those were the uh, Sport Ear M4s. They're on Kickstarter, Kickstarter right now, which is kind of weird, but uh, uh, they're they're decently cheap. I think they were like eighty-seven bucks a pair. And uh, when you look at like the the uh, cheapo Caldwell ones for fifty bucks, and these are just a little bit more, and they, I don't know, the technology seems a little bit better. But uh, I just like that the, these are those are pretty new, and I'm I'm still putting them through their paces. Um, and then uh, just uh, last night, actually, I went to a, a snow goose shooting seminar that the uh, Ahia put on. <laughs> That's the uh, Alberta Hunters Education Instructors Association, I think. Oh, man, I hope I got that <laughs> sure. right. Sure. <laughs> we believe you. Hunters Ed. Anyways, uh, so th- w- there's too many snow geese, and uh, they're putting on this seminar that shows uh, newbies like me how to uh, how to hunt them. I've hunted deer for, uh, I don't know, since I was 14 or 15 or something like that. Uh, so I've hunted deer for a while. I've never actually done a, a snow goose hunt, so I went to this seminar to kind of learn about it. And uh, it was kind of interesting because they were there with Cabela's, and the Cabela's guy that they had there had his own uh, outfitting uh, thing before. So he, he like, knew everything. He, he, knew, he knew quite a bit about um, going after snow geese, so it, it was really informative. It's a little bit weird to, to go to, like, a... Uh, I don't know how you call it, like non-government organization kind of a thing that also is dealing with with industry, but you know, no one else is is stepping up to do that, and Cabela's did, and and uh, uh, it was it was it was really good. And I won a a shotgun bag thing, I guess. A what shotgun bag. <laughs> what do you call it? What do you call the like a gun case? It's like a like a fabric case. A, oh, like a, a case. Like a sock, gun sock. Yeah, like a padded. I don't know what the. Oh, one it's one. a padded one. It's a it's a gun case, but it's the yeah. like the nylon one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's, oh, that's nice. cool. That yeah. was new, cool. Yeah, and also I've got some stuff that I'm trying out. I've got the just you've got the ISSC version of that 22. I've tried that one out before. I've also got the um, uh, what do you call it? The Anschutz version of it. Uh, I got one of those to uh, to try out and. Uh, See what it does. So yeah, I'm trying all that stuff out. Nice. That's good. Well, what about you, Kelly? What'd you get up to? I went to the Toronto Sportsman Show last Saturday. Yeah, Saturday, and I was able to actually hold the Type 81, the one and only in Canada. So, nice. Yeah, that was cool. Um, yeah. Uh, what else did I do? I uh, I went shooting on Sunday, and I got my BR99 shotgun uh, up and running, and it was cycling very well so i was able to put some more three inch magnum through it and then i um was able to put some target load so everything is cycling fine with it now it just needed to be worked in yeah basically so we put through probably about uh, 75 rounds and then it started cycling fine so that was good 
I also tried my uh, friend's um, 1911 again, and uh, yeah, I actually like it. Um, I was able to shoot, I don't know, maybe a quarter size hole uh, with 10 shots and and that, so I'm starting to like 1911, so I don't know what that's all about. Look, as much as we (laughs) slag the 1911 here, they have fantastic triggers, which really are conducive to good accuracy. Yeah, and that's what I... That's what I felt. I love the trigger on it. If, uh, you know, I've personally, my personal preference is to have a Glock style trigger for a defensive carry gun, just because it gives that added little bit of, you know, everybody preps a trigger even though they shouldn't, but it gives that little bit of extra safety there, you know, to not shoot when you need, when you're not supposed to. So I, I prefer that for a carry gun, but here in Canada, we we don't get to carry our guns. So why not get a 1911 that's super accurate to shoot because it has a beautiful trigger? So, you know, as much as we slag them, I say go for it. Yeah, I, I liked it. He, he got to try my Glock 17. He loved it and that, so we traded off a, a little bit. But Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. He said, you shoot my 1911 better than I do. and Well, it's because you're used to shooting the Glock with the, that crunchy, chunky, heavy, you know, trigger. terrible trigger. I mean, they're not terrible, but, you know, compared to a 1911 trigger, they certainly are. And so you're used to being extra careful with your trigger press and knowing that, you know, you're pressing just the trigger. And so when you take that skill and magnify it by putting a beautiful, crisp, light trigger behind mm-hmm. your finger, you're really going to go to town with accuracy. Right. So the other thing that I was doing, speaking of trigger, I, uh, I've i been working, I really want to work on my pistol. So I put a grip strengthener in my car probably about a month ago. And on my way to work, it takes me half an hour to get to work. So on my way to work and on my way home, I do, I just practice grip strengthening. Look, so, that is one of the best things you can do to help manage recoil is yeah. grip the gun tighter. The stronger you are, the the less the gun's going to move when it goes off. I mean, you can hold right. that still in your hand. So that's what, I mean, y- you know, y- yeah, you know, everybody needs to be in shape, but if you're shooting guns, really, you mm-hmm. need a strong grip. Yeah. I'm finding it's actually making a difference. Uh, I've been doing a little bit of dry firing with my Glock and that as well. I've been practicing my trigger pulls, uh, the proper grip, but I've also, you guys um, have listened to the Reloading Podcast, right? Sure. And Jim Fleming, Jim Fleming on there. His sign, when he signs off, he goes, squeeze. <laughs> right? That's what I've been doing. I've been practicing with the grip strengthener, but also when I've been doing my dry firing with my Glock, just squeezing that trigger. And then also a slow release on it as well. And it's just so that I can, yeah, it's just basically so that I can get proper trigger control and proper grip and i've also been doing my mag changes in that as well practicing in that as well so you're gonna um, have to get a 1911 because if you keep strengthening your grip you're just gonna crush the grip <laughs> on that plastic lock you're just gonna crack it yeah no <laughs> anyways but yeah i really want to get back into the pistol I haven't been doing it much so, so everything that i've been doing has been to try and you know just get uh, proficient at it and it's actually having an effect when i went to the range on on Saturday or sorry on Sunday when I I had I'd seen a difference between a couple of months ago when I was going to the range and my accuracy this time and the ease of actually um, pulling the trigger and everything too so everything's working so it's good excellent so yeah so I put into place a little bit of a training um, plan in order to actually uh, dry firing and everything so doing it on a regular basis I have been impacted by um, 
uh, one of our last shows we did on Ipsex. So, yeah, that's my plan. Very nice. Yeah. So, yeah, that's about it. So, what do we got going on for events? Uh, do you want to talk to, about the one that's happening, the RPAL safety course that's going to be happening down in Kimbleton there, um, Matthew? Sure. The uh, restricted PAL safety course is going to be held in Campbellton April 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. To register, you need to call the CFO. Um, yeah, so call the, the New Brunswick CFO and, and register for that, and you'll be able to take that course if you're looking for that and you're in that area of the province. Cool. And then at the Rustigush Gun Club, we have the first annual Ronnie DeGroote Rock Out with your Glock Out uh, Steel Challenge. It's going to be June 4th. And uh, do you ha- do you know anything else about that at all other than... It's anything? going to be awesome. You should be yeah. there. I want to be there, but I got something going on a couple of weeks later that I'm probably going to be really busy with. Well, doing. fine. Don't come then. See if I care. <laughs> Gosh. I wish there were more Steel Challenges around here because they look like a lot of fun. Yeah, Easy setup, fast. It's at the Rustigoose range, so you know it's going to be awesome, right? Yes, it, I've, I've shot Steel Challenge at Rustigoose Gun Club before, and it was a blast. Yeah. Just drive down for the weekend. From you Alberta? Really <laughs> 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 Takes two weeks to get there, stays for an hour and a half, and turns around and goes home. <laughs> that would be epic. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to talk about the 6th Annual Charity Sheet that's going to be uh, in support of Soldier On that's going to be taking place on June 25th in Kingston. Uh, It's actually at the Brockville District Fish and Game Club, and if you're interested, you can contact New Shooter Canada. And uh, check out the events page on Facebook. It is open to the public. All you have to do is is type in uh, Charity Shoot or 6th Annual Charity Shoot, and it will come up, and we can add you to it. So, And that's shaping up nicely. Going to... Sorry, we got another gun uh, that's been given to us so that we can raffle it off. So that is awesome. This yeah. is this is turning out to be one of the best charity shoots yet. Well, I'm hoping, or we're hoping. Yep. Yeah. So, Adriel, cool. Got yep. your six. The next one got your six. Yeah. That's a, a wounded warrior charity shoot. That one's going to be held at the Edson Fish and Game One Mile Range in Alberta. It'll be from July 16th to 17th. And you can go to gotyoursixshoot.com for more information. And then we also got the Rocky Mountain 300 that's coming up in June. And you can actually, so watch here for 300 plus rounds of five stages uh, layout. So we're just posting, are we posting the link in the show notes there? Because it's Rocky uh, Mountain that, that, one, that link's in the other, uh, it's in our last episode. Yeah, weebly.com stages HTML. So. I, uh, I also have an upcoming event that's not in the show notes yet. I just got it from Gallen. Okay. Uh, he is looking to put together a Canadian contingent of apple seeders. So there is an apple seed being held July 23rd and 24th in Skowhegan, Maine. So anybody in New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, maybe even Quebec, uh, who's interested in going to an apple shoot, uh, Jason Gallen's putting that together. So... If you're interested in doing that, you can just contact the show and I can get you in contact with Jason Gallen and, uh, you know, hopefully we can send some people over and represent Canada. Yeah, go and do it. Go get your rifle and patch. I would love to, except that is the same weekend as Summer Slam. Mm-hmm. And I am already booked to help Trevor make sure that that runs smoothly. So Maybe I'll Jewel? have to go. Well, Jewel will be with me in Summer, at Summer Slam, probably. Because <laughs> <I was thinking, laughs> she, was, she was hoping to get 
Yeah, well, we're going to get to an apple seed eventually, Jewel and I, for sure. It just won't be this one. All right. So, what do we got in the news going uh, there, Adriel? Uh, all sorts of stuff. I mean, uh, it's been a it's been a busy week for uh, for Canadians. Uh, Rob Ford died. Gian Gameshi was just acquitted of uh, uh, his charges this morning. And uh, on the on the global stage, uh, the Brussels airport was targeted and hit by a terrorist attack. Yeah. That was... Not really super, super duper gun related, though. Yeah. No, not really, but in, in, in important stuff to make sure everybody knows about. Yeah. 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 So I was talking uh, to Adriel about this before uh, we started the show. Um, it's one of the things uh, that I was talking to him about. That was, it was in the news. So it's the Assembly of First Nations wanted Quebec to consider giving it an independent gun registry. What it's about is basically... Uh, they were talking about the the now defunct um, registry that from 2012, um, the First Nations they didn't actually register their guns, and so now Quebec's on board with trying to get their own Quebec long gun our long gun registry bill, in and uh, the First Nations went and testified during uh, hearings to say that they would like their own. So, what do you guys think about that? Well, I don't think they should get their own because I don't think Quebec should have one either. I agree. It, yeah. It's just so, it's so bizarre. They've, yeah. They've it's... got some reasoning here saying, well, the old registry was a failure because people didn't register the guns. Uh, we want our own. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make Where's any the sense. Logic? <laughs> there is, yeah. yeah. So. So they said it'd give them a form of dignity, dignity um, and uh, make them responsible for themselves which i can understand but at the same time hmm. well you don't need dignity having a gun register you just don't shoot people with your guns and then you won't have a problem right exactly yep yeah and we don't want a registry anyway so no nobody wants a registry it's just dumb yeah doesn't do anything someone in quebec wants a registry (laughs) (laughs) not the gun owners no (laughs) no All right, well, let's move into our main topic then. And joining us this week, we have uh, Ken Kowalski, Jason Groves, and Brian Sheet. So, gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks. Hey, Hey, how's it going? It's going well. Ken, why don't we start with you, just because I had to pick somebody. Why don't you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, sort of some of your background and and why you're here on the show tonight? Sure. Uh, Name's Ken Kowalski. I'm a former... U.S. Army medic. I'm currently going to gunsmithing school, and I am the overlord over at Modern Rifleman Radio. That's right. You keep the other Brian, the one with a Y in line, do do you not? I I try to. You try. He is a handful at times. Sometimes I have to sick Trevor on him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Keep him in line there. Excellent. Uh, Jason. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm well. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Jason Groves, uh, billionaire philanthropist. Right. Um, I heard that about you. I'm um, extremely good looking, and uh, I like to train and uh, play with guns on the weekends. That's always fun. Yeah. Um, Marine, uh, former Marine, uh, been out for a minute, and uh, just enjoying uh, doing things with you guys. Excellent. Well, welcome to the show tonight. Thank you. Brian. Hi. Hi. 
This is where I talk. This All is right. you. Yeah, yeah this, this is your this turn. Is not, the, the floor is mine. The, the silence means it's you can make the noises now with the mouth. I will use these grunting sounds and form them into words, and then I will put words into sentences. Always entertaining. And Brian Sheets. The one and only. The but one and I think there's one, actually, one other one, I think. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm uh, Jason's partner for life. Life partner. Life part, uh, yeah, let's, yeah. It's, it's and that's right basically now. how you should introduce yourself in public. That's pretty much what we do. Yeah. Yes, that's how that's how that joke works. But no, uh, <laughs> yes, it is now. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, I, uh, Jason and I started a Valkyrie Defense Group. Um, by, about myself, um, I'm just your average guy. Um, I don't have any military police background or anything. I'm just a, I'm just the average guy um, who started taking my training seriously and then uh, saw a need. In our area, and uh, Jason and I were already shooting and doing all kinds of fun stuff together, anyways. So we kind of took it to the next level and decided to uh, to start a uh, training company, and, and here we are, um, many many students later, and well, quite a few years later, and and uh, yeah, doing some cool stuff, having fun. So Excellent. And where are you guys all from? We're from Coshocton, Ohio. Ohio. O H I O. It's round on the ends and high in the middle. <laughs> and Ken, where are you from? I'm out in Colorado. Colorado, very nice. All right. Well, um, we were uh, we we got had you guys on tonight to talk a bit about um, trauma bags, I guess. So some gear that that people would maybe carry with them or have with them in the event of uh, some sort of injury or or some accident or just some gear in order to maybe render aid to somebody else who's who's had some unfortunate incident happen to them. So why don't we kick it off and start with maybe what you guys feel would be some of the essential gear that every person should really have ready access to. Go ahead, Ken. Yeah, I guess we're going to have to maybe, why don't we do like Ken, Jason, Brian. We'll just kind of go around in a circle and that way everybody kind of knows who's next and, and what to when to talk. Otherwise, you know, you'll just be sure. talking all over each other or well, silence. I, I have a feeling basically we're, we're all going to cover very, yeah. very similar stuff. Excellent. Okay, well then, why don't you start us off, Ken, and then Jason and Brian can kind of fill in gaps wherever they feel that, you know, maybe you you, you missed something or they have a preference for something else? Sure. Um, I, I do kind of have a, a preference towards uh, more of a brand of gear, I guess, um, when we're talking about stuff that I think with some training is relatively dummy-proof. Um, and I, I tend towards, like, the North American rescue gear, I, I kind of like, um, I know there's, there's lots of things out on the market and there's always new things coming out. And I, I tend to stick with things that I've trained with, uh, that I've seen work in action. And I like those things. I'm, I'm a little slow to move on to, to certain new things, but, um, I think that the basics are, they put out some really good gauze that has a hemostatic agent impregnated into it. Um, and and for our, the, the lay people out there, the listeners who aren't quite sure what hemostatic means, basically it, on this gauze, there's there's an agent that's that's put into it, like 007, like James Bond, that sort of agent. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It'll uh, it helps blood clotting. So, oh, okay. You know, when you're stuffing this into a wound. That, that has really heavy bleeding, it's going to help stop the bleeding. Gotcha. So like Quick Clot. I mean, a lot of people know that name brand and they know what exactly. that is. So. Yep. yep. And they, they actually put out um, a type of 
quick clock gauze. Now, um, the flip side of that, that I do want to give people a warning, if, if anybody has that quick clot powder out there, uh, just probably put that in the trash. I heard that, and I, I, a lot of people might be wondering why, but I think, if, if I could hazard a guess, that sometimes that will clot, the powder will clot, but then not stick to the wound itself. It'll actually travel down an artery and clog something. That's, well, there's, there's a danger to the patient, and then there's the danger to the person who's treating the patient. Oh, okay. Uh, if, if that stuff gets in your lungs, then, uh, which is probably going to happen, because it's, it's a powder that's easily aerosolized. Right. That will get in and jack up your lungs. That would, and that's bad, I, as I understand so, it. Yeah, it's actually, they ended up taking it, I think most of it's like off the market, but oh, okay. there's a few people that still have it around. So the stuff people should be looking for is the gauze that has it, like you said, impregnated right into it, so that you don't have to worry about a powder floating around. You can just jam this sort of Band-Aid onto the person, this gauze, this you know, and then that'll soak it up and, and also yeah. help stop the bleeding. Yeah, and the most important thing about it is is, is you're jamming it in, not on. Yeah, in. You want to oh. make sure it's in. And, the, and all the way. I think, Ken, that, the way that other stuff you're, you were looking for, I think the name of it, the substance was called zeolite or something, I think, believe, the granules. So if you have the stuff that's made from zeolite, um, that's what you want to get rid of. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, any, any of the loose powders or pellets or whatever, I'm not really a fan of. Right. So hemostatic impregnated gauze, what, what other sorts of uh, bits of equipment should people have with them in their, their trauma bag? There, there's, a, there's a type of bandage called an Israeli bandage. Most people know it by. Um, that's fairly dummy proof. You could, if you have the right equipment, you could, like you could get cheaper things, but you need a little bit better training to use those. Oh, okay. Um, so what's an Israeli bandage? What sets that apart from say, I don't know, a Canadian bandage? <laughs> basically what it is, is you, you basically have, um, something that's kind of like an ace wrap, uh, but it's got a gauze bandage sewn to it. Uh, so it, it it can't come apart. It's all oh, one. okay. Plus it has a, a a piece of plastic on the back that you're going to wrap that um, the elastic part through over and over and create a pressure point. Okay, so it not only helps absorb blood and it stays together, but it also it'll, gives you the ability to pressure. put pressure on. Yeah, exactly. Very nice. Uh, and the elastic portion is about five to six feet. Just enough. Yep. Just enough for my massive biceps. There's that. Yes. <laughs> uh, I do Are we like done lying the... now? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> uh. A couple of things. Let's see. So uh, definitely a tourniquet. And I'm most of a fan of what's called a cat tourniquet, combat application. Okay. And one of the reasons I'm a fan of that particular kind is the band is wider than some of the other ones you see on the market. Right. Um, one thing I don't really like seeing in a tourniquet is something that's only like an inch or thinner in, in width. Um, so what does the, the extra width do for you? I would think that the thinner it is, the easier it would be to apply pressure and to actually cut off the blood flow. Yes, but that also comes with a price. Right. Uh, the, more, the, the higher amount of pressure you put on a smaller area, the more tissue damage you're going to do. In the oh, I see. So if you can spread out that pressure over a wider area, still effectively stopping the flow, but you're causing less t tissue damage when you do it. Right. And it, you, and over, we have an area where 
the artery is closer to the surface, it can it could put a broader amount of pressure stopping that. that right. So I I like those particular ones. Cool. Go ahead, Kelly. You were going to say something? I was going to ask. Right now there's a little bit of debate on whether your tourniquets are good, tourniquets are not good. So where do you guys sit with those? Jason, why don't you uh, field this one? Uh, I'm sure Ken will say the same thing. They've they've been saving lives for the last 10 or 15 years. And, uh, yep. And we have – here we have police officers being issued them now and – it's easy to it's easy to find dozens of articles where a police officers use a tourniquet to save someone or to keep the blood in until they can get to the hospital or a medic's can arrive on scene. Right. I mean, as I understand it, it's life over limb, right? I mean, if right. you're bleeding out, I don't care yeah. if you lose your leg. I want to, the blood to stop leaving your body so that you stay alive. That's it. Right. This is just right. simple emergency trauma. And How do I keep a, them alive? Yeah, a tourniquet is going to be way more effective, as I understand it, at stopping the blood flow than just putting pressure on the wound. And I think that would be mostly true for arterial bleeds. Yes. Okay. Yeah, you definitely. Yeah, you don't want to use it for just regular bleeding. Right. Yeah, I cut. I, I cut my. I got a paper cut. Quick, put a tourniquet on it. <laughs> it's not for broken noses. <laughs> around the yeah, neck, around folks. Around <laughs> yeah, it's actually. Uh, and here's one of the things we learned from battlefield medicine is that people were there was a, a large number of people who were dying from extremity bleeds, basically arms and legs that were either you know from from blasts or gunshot wounds. That those people were dying and they didn't. They didn't have to be. Yeah, it didn't have to be that way. Right. So tourniquets were brought in, and you you're starting to see it, like Jason was saying. It's starting to flow into civilian EMS, you know, where police and ambulance crews are starting to carry them more and more. And one of the reasons is because as we learned a lot from treating soldiers that were injured on the battlefield and have had these tourniquets on, we've gotten a lot better at saving limbs uh, that would have been lost, you know, it, uh, say before the Gulf Wars. Right. Started. Yeah, so just because a limb's been uh, deprived of oxygenated blood for a few hours, there's the technology's come a long ways where now they're able to actually save that, and you wouldn't just lose it. Right. So, okay. Uh, I Just out of curiosity, do you know about how long uh, a person can have a tourniquet on before they're going to start risking serious medical harm to that limb? It's, it's hard to say because part of that is a little bit dependent on what sort of hospital you get to. Okay. You know, like, wow, what are, if you live, if you can be uh, life flighted to a major trauma center, you know, that can be hours. Right. But uh, if you're just going to your local rural community hospital, you don't want a tourniquet on for more than probably, what, 30 minutes or so? Oh, oh yeah, you can go longer than that, way longer. Yeah, longer oh, okay. than that, but. We've seen, we've heard of instances, instances where the tourniquet has been on for up to six to eight. Oh, okay. Fight. Um. Uh, the, there was a study done in Iraq where they like they had over 800 tourniquets used. Um, not a single limb was lost, and the average time they were in place was 1.3 hours. So um, they can be on there quite a while, like I say, before before you're seeing li- complete utter limb loss. Right. So, well, that's good to know. What um, one thing that happened before that that I don't know if the techniques were just weren't really developed yet or well understood, but. As a, a limb, an arm or a leg, when it's that blood flow is cut off, toxins build up 
in that yep. limb. So the yep. main thing is that that tourniquet doesn't come off uh, real fast because you release those toxins. That was another that was another big risk factor of using tourniquet. Right, because the blood doesn't only bring oxygen to the cells; it brings the waste away. I never even it thought of that. Yeah, waste backs. It's just like uh, so all the waste the, is building up. It's yeah, I think right. it's called lactic fermentation. Well, and yeah, and when yeah, when yeah, tissues turn, die, turn. they release a huge amount of potassium. So right. So if you get a large dose of potassium, that can actually give you a heart attack and kill you. Right. Um, so that was some of the risk factors that we really didn't know how to deal with before, and you know, just through practice through the last couple of wars, we've we've developed the techniques to kind of get around that. Right. Okay. Well, that's 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 really interesting. So, so sort of basic gear to have in your kit would be an Israeli bandage, a tourniquet, and then some some gauze, um, quick clot gauze. gauze, yeah, and and then just sort of run of the mill other what you would normally find in a first aid kit right. kind of thing. And then, then, you know, on top of those those main things that are relatively dummy proof, they take training mm-hmm. to use. Uh, but that I really like is. Just having some ace wraps and some gauze, some some rolled gauze. Right. Normally called Trulix. That's like a brand name, so that's like calling it Kleenex. Right. But uh, rolled gauze and ace bandages. You know, with those and the right amount of training and practice, you'd be amazed what you can do with just those two things. Cool. Okay. Well, everybody, run out and grab that stuff quick. <laughs> I don't know if we had it in the notes here, but uh, what are the kind of uh, what kind of stuff can you just find around that you can use for a trauma bag? I think I've heard of, of using tampons. What other kind of uh, uh, things could you use just to kind of scrounge out if, uh, if if something happens and you don't have a trauma bag? Well, and, and that's kind of where I was going with you know, making a trip to the dollar store. Because one day I did notice that they had ace wrap and rolled gauze um, along with kind of some other miscellaneous stuff. And... Those two things, without even venturing out to some place that carries "quote unquote" trauma gear, you know, you can pick that type of stuff up at Walmart or your grocery store or the local dollar store. Generally, so like you don't have to go to sort of what I think is about the high zoot gear. Um, the the flip side to that though is that generally that type of stuff takes more training and practice to use. Right. But it's if you have it in, you know, if you have it, stick a pad on there. Or you were you were talking to me about that, um, not oh, nece- yeah. not necessarily like stick like if you have a bullet hole or something, sticking a tampon in there. Or, or... I'm not a huge fan of the whole tampon thing. But if um, if we were talking about like kind of weird miscellaneous type product, mm-hmm. uh, I I actually do like the idea of like if you if you have access to or excess feminine pads around the house, mm-hmm. like the just the regular wide, wide square pads. Those are actually really good for for more minor stuff or like road rash type of stuff to protect it until you can get to a place where you can put a more proper bandage on. Hmm. Uh, the only thing, the thing I don't like about tampons is that they they absorb. They're meant to dis- absorb, absorb, but they're really they're not providing any pressure. You know, so they, so somebody could keep bleeding into that more and more and more, and they're not necessarily doing yeah, what it needs to do. It's just more for someone you don't want bleeding all over your car. <laughs> I, 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 
my my biggest thing with the tampon thing is is you don't realize exactly how much um, gauze or like when when we talked earlier about the hemostatic agents like or the impregnated gauzes how much of that you can actually pack into a wound until you actually pack into a wound uh, just a simple tampon isn't going to fill um, fill a wound or well it's not going to fill a, a, a substantial wound or even right. a I moderate was, wound honestly right I, was was right I don't carry those products with me but <laughs> generally I have a t-shirt on and you can rip the sleeve off a t-shirt or use the whole t-shirt yeah pack a wound wrap it anything right. will do at that point anything will do at that point not exactly sterile but we're only concerned with saving a life we're not really concerned with infection at that moment we just want I mean, to stop you're gonna, the bleeding you're only so far away from a hospital exactly and, uh, in these areas and, and what they're going to do when you get you there the first thing they're going to do is just pump you full about every antibiotic they'll have there exactly and so yeah, you're exactly. probably the risk of infection is, is goes way down once you get to um an actual you know hospital right so, a couple of the oh, things that good. we missed on on adding to our kits though that, that are so they're, they're really simple and, and easily overlooked is gloves you know, right. that's one thing that you, you always carry gloves. You know, you don't want their stuff on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that always seems to be overlooked because everyone wants to run out and get the get the uh, the tourniquet and the compression bandages and all that stuff like that. Yeah, then, the cool stuff. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, that, that's really what it is. But it, a lot of people don't talk about the, the gloves, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing that I, I – when we took that – we. Uh, Jason and I were able to, to attend a class over the weekend, and one of the things that really struck me that I never really thought about was uh, a space blanket. They're yeah. right. super right. light, super I mean, super easy to carry. And you know, when we're trying to save somebody, you know, we, we worry about you know the blood loss and airway, and then you know worry about their mental state, but 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 get, keeping them from spiraling into in that shock, you know, and and keeping them warm is one of those things, and, and keeping the mm-hmm. body comfortable. Um, and don't want them laying on the ground. You want to wrap them up as tight as you can, keep as much heat onto them as, you, as they can, because you know that, that that's one other one step to keep them out of that out of that shock stage. Right. Cool. Okay. Well, um, anything anything else equipment wise you guys want to talk about before we move into what sort of training people should be getting? Well, let's just re- let's just summarize what we have in our kit. We have uh, we have Israeli Israeli bandage or our compression bandage. We have a tourniquet and we have hemostatic agent and. Uh, the Mylar space blankets, they take up very little room. So, yeah, go ahead and throw one of those in there, too. Um, there are some other things, but I, I, as with all of this, go ahead and go, go get this stuff. All of these products, especially uh, companies like North American Rescue, are going to have dozens of videos on, on YouTube that you can go and watch to get an idea of how these things work. But if you have somewhere that you can go and take a class, that's, that is huge. That will be well worth the money, no matter what the cost is. If they're follow if they're following, uh, you know the TCCC standards or the TECC standards, then you're going to be good to go. And I, I imagine those are American standards because I've never heard of either yeah, of those acronyms. They are. Okay, for our Canadian listeners, I, I'm not sure. Maybe uh, I know that uh, you know just a, a basic first aid training course isn't going to. Uh, prepare you for everything, but it's going to prepare you for some things, and especially for the the probably the more common things you're going to run into. So even just a basic first aid course would be something to start you off. But right. uh, that's a good start. That's a great start. It, yeah, good start. Yeah. Ken, uh, let me ask you this: Over the weekend, we had again we had a combat medic who's giving the class, and he also said every time every time he used a tourniquet, he used no less than two. Yeah, I'd say that that's that's appropriate. 
Is that because a single tourniquet just isn't strong enough to to staunch the blow the the the, the flow of blood completely, or is it because there's like multiple wounds? That either or, uh, you know, depending where you're talking about on the body, there's uh, the legs are actually a really hard place to get good compression. Oh yeah, your arteries are buried way deep inside your thigh muscles, aren't they? Yeah, and and in order to get that uh, welt up into the groin. You know, it's, it's not the easiest thing, and that's why I tell people they have to not only go get training, but then they they have to practice. Uh, they can't just, it's not one of those things you can learn and then not do again until... Until you, know, you need it. Yeah, it's like shooting, really right? You know? It's a perishable yeah, exactly. skill. It's just... a perishable skill. Um, the thing is, you, a lot of people, you'll where you'll see, you'll see two tourniquets stacked side by side. Uh, and, and that's in order to get better compression, um, or you might have a multiple wounds. Right. You know, where you're talking about either some sort of automotive accident where they're, they have really bad lacerations, or it's some sort of gunshot. A lot of people don't end up with just one, one hole in them. Right, and and especially with uh, with gunshot wounds, and we, let's talk about those for just a few minutes. Um, even a single gunshot wound can potentially produce two holes, an entrance and an exit hole. So you have to make sure that you're checking, you know, the other side of the wound to make sure that if that bullet came out, you're stopping the blood from the other side as well. Exactly, and that's <clears throat> that's <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. <laughs> that's where uh, you know going to a real good training course will help you develop a system of checking out someone because that's that's true and that's where people are going to die is, is the, the small thing that you miss. Yeah. Um, you know, when we're talking about, especially about any punctures to the torso or abdomen, you know, and when, when, when we get away from those extremity injuries, um, you're getting into territory where there's only so much you can do, but if you miss it, that's what's gonna what's gonna get that person right. And now that actually brings us into another topic that uh, that could be interesting for a lot of people, especially our American listeners, where uh, you guys are a bit more litigious than we are. Litigious. Yeah. I don't know how to say right. that word. You guys all sue each other. Right. <laughs> so, what sort of protection does the average citizen have whenever they're rendering aid to somebody? It's based on your locale. Okay. Yeah, a little bit. There is. First, I'll say no one is under duty to help. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, but I just want people to think remember for that. Okay. Here's yeah, one basic you know, thing. Unless you're a medic or a police officer. Right, yeah, then you do have a, a, a duty to, to act. Okay. If uh, most people are con- covered under what's called the Good Samaritan Law, um, and that will cover you up to a certain point. Um, if you... Obviously, if you don't have the training to do something, um, then that's where you can kind of get into a little bit of trouble. Right. You're not going to, like, uh, you know, cut into somebody's trachea beca- and give them a, a yeah, you know, because, exactly. that's <laughs> because you saw it on MASH, you know. Reasonable <laughs> care is, is, is the words I think you're looking for. Reasonable care. Yeah, reasonable I mean, care. Non-invasive. Non-invasive, yeah. reasonable care, and that's, right. that's really where it's at. So basically, you're plugging holes, making sure the airways are good, keeping them warm, basically, is what... Yeah, airway, breathing, circulation, you know, um, make, you know, that in, in bleeding stopped. Yeah, that's yeah. that's pretty much what you're 
what you're responsible for. All you want to do, I mean, we're not trying to fix everything. We're trying to sustain them until the professionals arrive. And that's, I mean, it, Ken can tell me if I'm wrong or not, but that's really, if if I come up on a car accident, all I want to do is make sure that these people are well or are alive long enough until the professionals can get to them. Right there. It's I'm not, not it, it, it's not your job to set broken bones and to put splints on and to do no. that sort of thing. Your job is to keep them alive until the pros get there. Yeah. Unless there, you know, um, say you are in a situation where you are hiking and you're however far away at that point, you might need to build or, or fashion some sort of splint or something to get them back to an area where, you know, then they can get further or better treatment. You know? Sure. So, okay, that makes sense. So if you're going to be transporting the, the patient as well, then yes, you're going to have to stabilize them and, and immobilize them perhaps. But, you know, like you said, for like a, a car accident, which is probably what 90% of anybody's going to run into, um, if you're going to run into some sort of first aid system or uh, scenario, it's probably going to be a car accident because everybody drives cars. We're all on the road. So, yes. yeah, in right. a but it's not as sexy as thinking about the gunshot wounds. Exactly. You know? Yes. That's, and we got to, you know, the tactical fantasies, you know, yep. and that I've, I've been guilty of it too myself, you know. Um, well, I mean, but, there's nothing wrong with being trained and being prepared for gunshot wound, but don't exactly. be, don't let that be the only thing you train and prepare for. Train yeah. and prepare I mean, for all other aspects as well. We've all been there. You know, we, everyone everyone in, in America already has their, like, this is where I'm going to use my concealed handgun right. know, fantasy. This is yes. where it's going to happen, and this is when it's going to, well, it's never going to happen that way. No. You know, that's, well, that's exactly what we say in our classes. It's never going to happen exactly how you picture it. You're going to find yourself in a different situation somewhere else. And most of these people, whenever we're talking about, here's your medical kit, here, here's, what, or here's what we want you to put in your medical kit, and they're already thinking, okay, I'm going to be on a training. It's going to you know, I'm be a training on the range with my buddies, and, and one of them is going to do something stupid, and then that's where I'm going to patch them up. Well, more than likely, it's going to happen between the range and your house, or yeah. your house to the range, or driving your, home, your house to to home, mm-hmm. or I'm yeah. sorry, your house to work, <laughs> your house back. to home, <laughs> your house to home, yeah, wherever that is, right? <laughs> but your house to work, and that's that's mainly where you're going to find it. It's it's not going to be those gunshot wounds. It's not going to be that active shooter situation that people think about, right? Um, and that's one thing that I think is really cool that's happening, kind of within the uh, the training industry. Is I'm I'm really excited that more and more people are pushing this particular aspect. You know, you may or may not ever have to use your defensive handgun to save your life, but your chances of needing to help somebody else out with some first aid is astronomically higher. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that, like you said, it, it's, it's something everybody should be aware of. And, you know, while going to gun shooting courses is a lot of fun and it is something that I don't ever discourage somebody from doing, you should be doing that in addition to the first aid training or, or advanced trauma care training that, uh, that's out there. Right, right. And kind of tag it on, I don't know if it was Brian or, or Jason that was saying this, but, you know, we in those tactical fantasies, you know, uh, you're, you always have the idea that you're going to come out on top, but what if somebody else gets hit? You know, what if either one of your family members or uh, just an innocent civilian is a casualty? You know, it's, it's, it's not a win for the good guys if everybody doesn't go home. Right. That, that, that's one thing I like to press to people. You know, that, and that's one thing that people just don't like to think about. No one likes to think about losing, you know, and if, if they, I think that's where people get into the reason where they don't carry medical kits is because they never envision themselves losing. 
Yeah, and that's and the I thing. Think, we need to be realistic with, about that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I if, think if, it's it's a it's a subconscious or almost like a uh, an admittance to maybe I'm fallible, maybe yeah. I'm not as good as I think I am, or I possibly can lose. And that's what people think, just don't want to think about it. I think uh, psychologists call that normalcy bias. Yeah. Well, yeah. So yeah, it's not normal to get shot. It's not normal to get into a car accident. So you know. <laughs> we do a basic med brief in all of our classes, and we just cover those basic, those three basic tools that Ken talked about at the beginning. And generally, towards the end of the day, we'll see somebody will come, you know, they'll come and ask us more about the med kit. And while the group's still there, I'll generally ask them, "Okay, how long have you guys been shooting?" "Oh, 20 or 30 years." "You go to the range a lot?" "Yep." "Have you ever taken a first aid kit?" "No." And you can just see the look come. They're just thinking about it now. Well, why not? Um, because we're stupid. <laughs> and it, and they, that's and usually they the response it. too <laughs> and then they get it and they're like holy crap I've been doing this wrong my whole life yeah I mean it's, I like, bleed, the, it's I, like the the light bulb I goes off out in five minutes health yeah. is 25 minutes away that math is super easy yeah it is right. holy crap right. guns are dangerous huh you know training, training with firearms is inherently dangerous wow I never you know we also like to ask like hey who here has been in a violent you know violent encounter where they needed a gun to save their life I think of all the hundreds of students that we've had over almost four years now, three or four years now, we've had like two people raise their hand and we say, who here has been in a, or seen a car wreck or been in a bad car wreck? And every class, everybody else's hands go up. Every yeah. hand. Yeah. You know? No, that is definitely the more prevalent, uh, you know, thing that could happen. Definitely. Twice this year I've passed, I've on the way to a class in the morning, I've passed a, a fatal, a fatal accident. Right. The car covered. I got yep. one more thing I want to get out there. But don't think about this just as gunshot wounds. Look at it as penetrating injuries, amputations, things that can happen in industrial environments, Mm -hmm. in your home, yes, in car wrecks. But think about what you have with you when you're at work. You know, when I went and got the trauma bag where I work and I dumped it out on the table in front of, you know, the powers that be, the little, the one-inch Band-Aids and the little packs of Neosporin and uh, cotton balls, that just wasn't, and I and I laid out exactly everything we said here, and just the look. They were so pissed at me, but just the look that I got. Yeah, what are you gonna do with a little band aid if somebody loses their arm? I'm yeah, still, hold on, put a band aid on it. Hey, there's a flip here side I to that. Use to save a life. At yeah, that point, I'm ripping off my shirt. I'm taking off belts. That's right. Field expedient tourniquets. You know, prepping them, getting them outside, waiting for that squad to get here. As soon as the squad hits the parking lot. Get yeah. on there and go. So think about it like that. Where else you can apply these skills besides the Exactly. Yeah, don't think of it as all, uh, you know, glory and, and, and cool cool stuff. You know, think of the real world because that's right. most likely where you're going to use it. And also take into account the scene. Just because you come across somebody that's injured, is it safe for you to render aid? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, when we get our OSHA training down here, we see a lot of times where one, two, or even three other people will die trying to save someone that can't be saved. Right. Yep. Losing your life to save someone that can't be saved, that make, that is bad math right there. So yep. You really have to be aware of that. Active shooter situations, industrial, uh, you know, low oxygen areas, you really have to be careful with that stuff. Electrical. That's another Electrical. one. Electrical. Yeah, that'd be a big one. That's a big dangerous one for yep. rescuers. So make sure the scene is safe before you go in. 
Yeah, that's good advice. Very good advice. And that's something that's drilled into us. Uh, I take first aid course uh, every other year. My work uh, um, provides that for us, which is fantastic. And, and that is always the, the first thing. Scene survey. Make sure it's safe before you go in because as the first aider, you're doing nobody any good if you're down to. So, all right. Well, gentlemen, closing thoughts before we wrap this up. Um, get these tools, expose yourself to them, and go get that training. Absolutely. Remember, yep. you're, you're you're only as good as your your training. Yep. 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 Well, there's a guy that I think. Well, there's a lot of companies out there. Um, you look, you know, look at them, look them up. Um, there's Dark Angel. Um, there's uh, Lone Star Medics. And there's this one guy named Ken Kowalski. I believe that he's going to teach a class somewhere sometime. Um, I, I Come mean, on, Ken. I I know uh, I'm taller than him, but I still think he teaches a decent class. Take me nation. Um, <laughs> that's yeah, that's okay. your cue now. I've, I've I've laid it out there. Now you're supposed to segue into yeah, my class. Go for yeah, it. That's right. Go give us a spiel, Ken. In Arkansas, Center in Arkansas, August thirteenth. 14th, Ben Brandon and I will be teaching a combo class. He's teaching Beyond Concealed nice. Carry. I'll be teaching Critical Trauma Care. Uh, it's actually going to be really neat because you're, you're going to be getting both trauma care and handgun training uh, during the day. Like, we're going to switch it up. Uh, this is kind of being posted by Chaz, the unnamed trucker. So if you want to kind of meet a, a variety of podcasters uh, and get some really good training, I think it's going to be awesome. You can go over to Modern Self Protection and register there. Uh, so That's modernselfprotection.com? I believe so. Yep. All right. Yes. If not, I'm sure Google will bring it up for you. And uh, registration's over there. Two days of awesome training. Fantastic. Well, gentlemen, I, I want to. One more pro tip. Yeah, yeah, I, go. I just thought about this. I was going to say it earlier. Don't practice with your tourniquet that you carry with. Yeah. If they make practice tourniquets and stuff like that, that, that will possibly weaken them. Um, so just make sure you're you go and get an actual tourniquet to practice with. Oh, okay. Right. So don't don't practice with yeah, and and probably yeah. don't practice on yourself for very long. <laughs> don't put it around your neck and practice. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Yeah, that's well. There's never mind. <laughs> that's why Trevor's not on the show tonight. He kids, uh, was, these, show. kids these days. Yeah, that's why NXS isn't around anymore. <laughs> <laughs> all righty and on that note gentlemen thank you so much for joining us uh we'll have to uh well i mean we'll, well i'm sure we'll have you guys all on again sometime in the future but uh but yeah thanks for joining us it was very informative i really enjoyed it awesome thank you very, thank much. You very much come to one of our classes we'd love to hi stacy <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk listener feedback you guys who wants to read the first one i'll take this first one because i think he's uh he's slagging me so oh. let's go <laughs> I think I'll take that. It's from James. He's got a good point, too, so I'll, I'll, I'll read it. Uh, hi, Kelly and guys. Just listening to episode 147, and when Adriel said he was using the uh, world's finest trimmer in a drill press wearing gloves, I cringed. As a tradesman, I have to suggest that you do not use gloves around rotary equipment. I've seen pictures from a sister company of the aftermath of an accident where uh, a glove caught on a drill press, and the ge- gentleman has not returned to work. This was several years ago. As an ERT at my place of employment, and having seen fingers up from a horizontal bandsaw, please be careful. For those of us that are follically blessed, also keep your long hair pulled back and tidied up. Well, no issues Yeah, there. that's not going to be a problem I for you now, is it? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah. Scalping does happen even with cordless drills. Anyway, love the show and good night, Kelly. From uh. James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, James, uh, I don't know if this makes it better or worse. I, I just use the mechanics gloves, which are really, really thin. Um, and the only reason I'm using that is to keep my uh, fingers from blistering using the uh, using the brass. So they're not getting up close to the uh, drill part of it. They're not loose gloves. They're very tight on my hands. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's that's maybe that's no better or no worse. But uh, there's my excuse, anyways. What about what about um, plastic gloves? Or sorry, not you know medical gloves. They don't. They, uh, they, they don't they stand different. up. They they just yeah. they, they wear away so quickly, and you're soon enough. You're just using your fingers anyways. And now you got some. Uh-huh. Some torn up latex that's on your fingers. Hey, I got a question. Remember yeah. last week when we were on the show and Trevor was talking about uh, Brian and his grilly hands? I remember that because I helped. Uh, I helped put Throw Brian under the bus the there. Bus? Yeah. Yeah. So wasn't it later when Trevor was talking about how he got a blister on his? Irony. See, Trevor, don't come on the show. What happens? You get thrown under the bus. That's it. Yeah. I am going to take the next one um, because it's from Dave, and he says, Hi, guys. What's up with episode 146? Seems like every tenth, every tenth second was cut out or something near the end. Okay, enough about the complaining. Uh, really enjoy the show and the new addition to the family. Keep up the good work, and don't be quitters like the Gundus. And he said, please, and that's from Dave. So, yeah, there was a little bit of a technical issue at the end there, and I think it was only my... It was only me that was affected, wasn't it, Adriel? Mm, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to go back and listen to that that part of it. I listened to the to the first half of it, but I didn't yeah. get to the last part. Yeah. So I wanted to give Matthew Matt Lorette. So Matt, do you want to read this? Matt reading Matt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I recently got introduced to these pistols by my buddy Trevor, who's probably reading this right now. Well, jokes on you, Matt. He's not. <laughs> Sup, Matt? And then he always replies, hey, Matt. <laughs> we, uh, we shoot together in Nipsic. Anyway, uh, he continues on. I've known about the FN company for a while. They've been in existence since 1889 and have made many different firearms over the course of this time. If we forward time to 2011, the FN line was released. In the following years, the pistol was not really promoted and stayed unnoticed until Dave Savigny was drafted by FN as one of uh, their pistol competition shooters around 2012. Previously, he was with Glock. After this, Dave gave his input to FNH on how to introduce and create a a competition striker-fired pistol in an already saturated market. With his help, they came up with the FNS Long Slide series. Same lower and original design, but with a 5-inch stainless steel long slide cold hammer-forged barrel. In the long slide versions, they made minor improvements to help with the trigger pull. It has two different backstraps, full ambidextrous controls with great ergonomics. The platform has really grown in popularity in the past few years because of Dave's success, and I'm sure this will continue in the future with his help and performance. So, in saying this, here's an opportunity to own one. Insert joke here from Trevor if needed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, Matt is selling an FNS or FNH FNS 9L with less than 400 rounds. It has five mags, two of which are pinned 17 rounders, and a Red Hill Tactical Kydex holster. 700 bucks shipping depending on location. So uh, take care and double alphas for all. And that comes to us from Matt, who signs off DVC. 
So, Matt, yeah, thank you for the email. Thank you for the little history lesson. That was very informative. And, uh, yeah, if anybody's interested in uh, an FN, contact us, and we can get you into touch with Matt, and maybe you can buy his gun. Cool. He's not drinking the Kool-Aid. No. No, no. Glock for him. He wants the <laughs> FN. All right. So, this is from Steve. And I don't know if this was for you, Adriel, or not, but he's uh, saying, what exactly was the trigger mod you did on your 795? You mentioned it in your 1022 comparison video. So, Matt or Adriel, which one of we've, you did we've that? We've both done a video on this. <laughs> yep. Okay. So, why don't, you, why don't you answer it then? Well, I haven't done a mod on mine. I did oh, do a mod not on a, oh, yeah, I did a mod on mine. Okay. Uh, the... Um, M Carbo trigger spring kit is what I installed in my 795, and it uh, it lightened the trigger pull. The downside was I found occasionally it gave me light uh, primer strikes, and so it wouldn't ignite every round. So what I ended up doing was installing all of the springs except the hammer spring. I kept the the original factory hammer spring in, and that did make the trigger a little heavier than with all of the springs installed. But still, it cleaned up the trigger very nicely and actually lightened it quite a bit. So, uh, so that's M Carbo, M C A R B O. Okay. So if you'd like to email a show, you can send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. If you make it a little funny in that and even try and throw in some jokes for uh, Trevor to read when he's not here, you know, hey, <laughs> we'll read it for you. Uh, so what's going on with iTunes? Uh, have you been able to update that, Adriel, as where you're typing as I'm reading it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I checked earlier and we didn't have anything on the U.S. or Canadian feeds. Perfect. So you can leave us a five-star rating. We have 117 five-stars so far, and we have reviews from uh, Canada, the U.S., and one Australian review that we read a year later. We're global. <laughs> I know. Yippers. So, again, make it funny. We'll read it on the show, and the more that uh, more reviews that we get, the more uh, we'll be noticed in that as well. So, you guys got any shout-outs? Yeah, I, I had one to uh, Jason, Ken, and Brian for uh, joining us to talk about uh, trauma bags. It was uh, really interesting. Uh, I'm one of those guys that uh, goes to the range all the time and doesn't have any of that stuff. And, uh, yeah, I should probably start putting one together. Maybe a little bit better than the dollar store one, though. Like, I, I think I can do a little bit better than that. I, I used to be in the same boat as you, and uh, a couple years ago, I, I just threw a together a, a get-home bag. And in it was a, a trauma kit. And so that just stays in my truck all the time. Anywhere I go, all I know is if I can get to my truck, I have access to, to you know, medical supplies and, and whatnot. So it's easy to throw together and just toss in your vehicle because chances are you're going to be within walking distance of your vehicle. Otherwise, you would have driven to where you're going. So. Right. And chances yeah. are you're going to use it um, yeah. more more likely than not in an accident. That's uh, right. So regardless, yeah. yeah, regardless of, of if I'm going to the range or just going to work, I've got it with me. So yeah, yeah exactly. I have a shout out. I'm going to be uh, saying hi and giving a shout out to uh, James in London, Ontario. And thanks for the good night. <laughs> just wanted to say. <laughs> I actually have a shout out as well, and I haven't had a chance to go through it in detail. But Snowdog sent me a snail mail. And it uh, it reads like an email, but it's a snail mail. And uh, he has some some well not links, but some 
addresses to go to to watch some videos. So I can't really comment on it yet, and so I'm not going to talk about what he wrote to me about. But uh, it was very interesting to to get this from him. So I just wanted to say, Snow Dog, I got your letter. Um, thank you. Uh, he's from Texas, so wow. that's even you know more interesting. So I just wanted to say hi to Snow Dog in Texas. That's a really interesting name for somebody who lives in Texas. Hmm. Snow dog. Snow dog. You probably don't get many snows down mm. there. But Is he a transplant from Canada? I, I don't know. He could be. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Not much information was given in the letter about him, but uh, yeah. Anyway. I can speculate. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Anyway, I just want to say hi. <laughs> All right. So, uh, please join one of our National Firearms Associations, such as the CCFR or the CSSA. It's important, actually, for us to support them uh, because they're supporting us. I just recently joined both of them. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Check us out on Gun Owners of Canada and also like us on Facebook. We're at 1,398. Trevor's going to get you. I (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) And we got 95, or sorry, 93 thumbs up, five gold stars, and we still have two flukes. So, any words of wisdom? I, I, yeah, like there's any wisdom in me. (laughs) Nope. Nope. What about you, Adriel? Shoot straight and shoot often and shoot the target a couple of times. And And make uh, sure your scope is dialed in for competition. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it stung so much. It stung so much. I'm okay now, but oh, oh, I was burnt. Yeah, do that part. Yeah, make sure it's dialed in. Okay. My words of wisdom is go out and actually, you know, get some training with that trauma kit as well. Yeah. So, good night, everybody. Good night, Kelly. Good night. So, if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now, go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over time to get a gun. Good night, Trevor. Good night, Trevor. Good night, Trevor.